Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Network, with episode 35 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. I am here with Kaya Left to talk about Syracuse's loss, 71 to 59 at Virginia Tech, in a game that was much closer than that final score would indicate. But another situation, Kyle, where Syracuse just couldn't make enough plays down the stretch in a game that appeared very winnable entering the final minutes. They just could not, Mike. And we'll get to it in a little bit with the offensive struggles in a little while. But the last six minutes and 56 seconds, uh, Buddy Beheim made a bucket. It was 54-54, 54 all. And from then on, last seven minutes of play, it was a 17-5 run from Virginia Tech. Cuse took... 12 shots, made two of them, and turned the ball over once. So if you're keeping track of that, we got five points. We also missed two free throws on the way on that, too. It was an absolutely horrendous end of the game, and we were right there. 54 all, we're right there till the end. Last seven minutes, it looked like a brand-new ball game. Virginia Tech played, and Syracuse looked like they were just chucking shots up left, right, and center. Could not make a single thing. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired head coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, and Syracuse had all the momentum at that point. You know, the Buddy hit a really tough shot to tie it at 54. Virginia Tech had a 10-point advantage at halftime. Syracuse was playing much better um, after coming out of the locker room. And Syracuse really looked like they were poised to take control and, you know, put a lot of pressure on Virginia Tech because even though Virginia Tech was up by 10, as I mentioned at halftime, Syracuse didn't get back into it and tie it by going on, you know, a really quick 12 to two run over like two minutes or something. 
this was a methodical throughout the half chipping away a little here, a little there, uh, different players making plays at different points and uh, finally catching up to Virginia tech and tying the game at 54, as Kyle mentioned, and everything on both ends kind of fell apart. And, and there was one play in particular, we'll talk about some of the, the key um, stats in this game and, and the key areas where uh, that really cost Syracuse the, the chance to win this game. But there's one play in particular where Syracuse after tying the game had gotten a stop. So now they've got the ball with the chance to take a lead. And I believe it was buddy tries to drive inside. The ball gets knocked away. There's a, a little bit of a scramble for the ball. It ends up with a Virginia tech player diving on the ground, grabs possession, kind of throws it behind his head uh, to a player who's open in transition, who ends up with a monster dunk to give Virginia tech a two point lead. And the crowd went from silent, a little bit nervous, looking like they thought that, you know, Virginia tech was possibly going to lose that game to raucous and into it and loud. And the momentum shift from that one play was really enough to kind of propel both teams to the directions that they went the rest of the way. So I think that was the key play in the game. Syracuse had a lot of opportunities. They still got good shots. They just didn't make the shots that they had been making over the last four games, essentially. And uh, it dropped Syracuse to 13 and 12 overall, seven and seven in conference play and put Syracuse right back square into the conversation of can they keep the winning season streak alive as we've discussed in several past episodes. But before we get into some of those larger issues, I want to kind of take a uh, focused look at one player in particular, and that was Frank Ansel. And the news came out shortly after the Boston College game that Jesse Edwards was going to be lost for the season due to a wrist injury that honestly nobody knew he had even uh, hurt. Then no one knew that the injury was even an issue. No one knew that his wrist was sore, let alone to the point where it was fractured and he was going to be lost for the rest of the year. And yet within a day or two of the game, that's exactly uh, the announcement that, that it happened. And so Syracuse had to move on uh, from Jesse Edwards for the rest of the season. And that meant Frank Anselm got a start and he played 36 minutes was much better. I think than even the most optimistic Syracuse fan would have hoped for in those 36 minutes. He committed three fouls, which is actually pretty good in, in that amount of time. Had six points, solid, 15 rebounds and two blocks. And that's that's the big thing, is he's not going to give you the same level of offensive production that Jesse Edwards did, but I think that they have enough good offensive players they can make up for that elsewhere. But his length and ability to be disrupted defensively and then his athleticism to crash the boards. He was really good in this game against some talented bigs from Virginia Tech in um, Kive Aluma and Justin Mutz, who, you know, both 
both had solid games, but I think uh, Frank was more than up to the task uh, in this game. And especially with his efforts on the boards, uh, a easy career high for him with those 15 rebounds. And I think gives you some, some hope and some, you know, things to build on as Syracuse moves forward with the, the last part of the schedule here. Yes. It's more difficult without Jesse, but seeing what Frank did with games coming up against North Carolina that has Armando Baycott with a game coming up against Duke who has Mark Williams. I, I think seeing how he performed in this game, at least gives you some optimism that he's not going to be ridiculously overwhelmed in these games that he can at least give Syracuse a little bit of a presence in the middle. Yeah. I mean, having 15 rebounds is huge. And the, Part of that that matters more to me is five of those were offensive rebounds, which means, as you said, he was crashing the glass. He was getting rebounds, getting us an extra shot, which is major for a team that if you can get that offensive rebound, someone's going to be open on the three-point line. Someone's going to find their way open, whether it's Buddy, Joe, Cole, Jimmy, even Benny or Samir. Someone's going to get their way to three-point line and be open on that offensive rebound because the defense is all out of sorts. And then that creates points for you. It's huge. Second chance points are major for Syracuse. Um, So seeing that was big. And also the two blocks. Obviously, he's not the same defender Jesse Edwards was. Jesse Edwards was sitting at four blocks, like three plus blocks a game easy. But getting two blocks a game is something. That that is a start. Um, Seeing at least some sort of defensive presence is nice. And as you said as well, he may not be the best offensive talent, But as we've said through the season, our offense isn't the problem. Our problem is the defensive end. If offensively he is bang average, if he puts up six to 10 points, that is a-okay in my book. Because realistically, Buddy and Joe and Jimmy and Cole and probably Samir, Benny on the off the bench will put up a combined 80. And at that point, we're fine. Like, that's what we should be hitting. Um so, yes, his offensive numbers aren't as good as uh, they are for uh, Jesse, but rebounding-wise, getting five offensive boards, huge, huge plus, and just seeing the presence he had. Like, as you said, he gives us hope that it was all doom and gloom a few days ago. Our last episode was all doom and gloom. It was like, oh, we're doomed. But we weren't doomed. He played really well. Barama came in for four minutes. And basically was there to just get fouls when needed to keep it. So Frank didn't come in the game. And you know what? I'm cool with that. Frank was in foul trouble. Bring Brahma in. Let him get the fouls. Take him out. Bring Frank back in. Rebound the ball well. At the end of the day, that's all we could ask for and more. So I'm I'm not I'm not opposed to that. It's tailgating season and no one does it better than Hoffman Sausage Company. Beer Bratwurst, Jalapeno Cheddar Sausage, Kabasi, and Bun Length Chicken Sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. No, and, then, and then the other part of this game that was a positive for Syracuse was their perimeter defense. Virginia Tech came in as the best three-point shooting team in the ACC, number two in the nation at at 42%, over 42% as a team. Syracuse was 
one of the worst three point shooting team uh, d- defensive teams in the ACC and in the country. So on paper, that matchup heavily favored Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech should be able to get open looks, and um, you know I think smart money was on them hitting a bunch of threes and winning this game, right? Well, that didn't happen. Syracuse actually made more three pointers than Virginia Tech did. Virginia Tech was just eight for twenty-seven from three, which is twenty-nine point six percent, so under thirty percent for a team that normally shoots forty-two percent. That's pretty good. Now, some of that was was missed shots. I think that's always going to be the case when a team shoots a really low percentage. Part of that is going to be missing some some good looks, but. You know, they they didn't have, other than for perhaps a short spurt in the first half, they didn't have just wide open looks after wide open looks after wide open looks. I thought Syracuse did a pretty good job at staying at home on, on the shooters. Now, the downside to that is Virginia Tech's counter was putting Mutz at the free throw line and basically letting him facilitate putting another guy down along the baseline and getting a lot of looks, you know, right at the rim. So they were able to get inside a little bit more than what you would traditionally see from teams. Um, you know, they, they outscored Syracuse in the paint 26 to 16, but even with that Virginia tech shot 38% from the floor, they were under 35% in overall in the second half and under 50% from inside the arc. So even with all of those looks at the rim, they scored 71 points, which is good. But I think coming into this game, if you were talking to a Syracuse fan and said, you're going to hold Virginia tech to 71 points, they're going to shoot under 30% from three. Your rebounding is going to be even you're going to make more shots and more threes than they do. Every Syracuse fan and their brother would have taken that. Oh, absolutely. We would have taken that and seeing just the, the raw numbers of the free throws and the three pointers, obviously the perimeter defense was spectacular, as you said. Um, And realistically, it should have favored us even more that if we're looking at just purely percentage wise, again, up until that last seven minutes, we were shooting nine for 20 basically 50 percent. we shot one for seven the rest of the way which is not good um so we we were even more heavily favored three point percentage range like we were shooting the lights out of the ball from three it just came down that last seven minutes that is where their offense and mutts just ended the game at that point they made everything we could not make a shot we couldn't hit the broad side of a barn at the end of the game and it just spiraled um Seeing three-point defense, I do have to say, is a positive. I didn't think I'd take away from this game, seeing good defense, especially with missing Jesse, who has been a presence defensively. But that was not on the the bingo sheet for the week. But again, it's a positive. Frank playing well is a positive. The three-point defense is a positive against a team that is one of the best in the nation that's shooting the three ball. Um, we discussed a few weeks ago, they shot like somewhere in over 50% in one game, just shooting the lights out of the ball. And they didn't do it this week because we played really well in the defensive end. The downside is we didn't help ourselves at the end of the game. And that's just where a lot of the problems came in. 
end of the game and the free throw line is getting to it. Like we shot four free throws four. that is nothing. They had two different players shoot more than four on their own. Aluma and Couture both shot over four on their own. They shot a combined 14 free throws. They shot a total of 21 as a team. We're always going to lose that game. I can remember growing up in Connecticut, watching the UConn teams. No one likes to hear this, but those teams shot the ball from the free throw line so well and got to the free throw line all the time. They made most of their points from the line. And that's where you win games in college basketball. If you get to the free throw line, you can get yourself buckets. The problem with this team is when we aren't driving to the basket, because a lot of the time it feels like we sit back and just kind of wait for the three a little bit too often. We don't draw fouls driving in. Joe doesn't draw enough fouls. Buddy doesn't get as many as we hope he would. Jimmy doesn't get a crazy amount. Like we're just missing free throws. And this is a game where free throws would matter. If you make your free throws, it helps the offense back in a rhythm. It gets you some points, gives you something. Even one out of two, even going one for two from the line on a free throw, it's a point. It gets you slowly moving. It gets you moving. It gives Buddy two chances to make a shot. And then he comes back the next time, hits a three. All of a sudden, look at that, made two out of the last three shots for him. It feels good, but it didn't happen. The perimeter defense is really good. Frank is really good, but doing nothing from the free throw line is where this the problem was in this game. There was nothing, absolutely nothing from us. So that's that brings me to the next point that I want to discuss, which was how this game was was officiated. And this is not this is not going to be. I know those that that know me well are, are going to assume that I'm going to go off on a rant and bash the officials and whatever. And that's you that's would not, never bash. I would officials. never do that. That's not what this is about. We're not talking about the Super Bowl, so we're not going to bash the officials here. So um, this is is more about how games are called. And I've always said. You know, I don't care if a game is called tight, if it's called loose, if you let them play, if you call everything ticky tack, as long as it's consistent. Right. This game was officiated in such a way that they allowed a lot of physicality, especially with uh, ball handlers that very much played to Virginia Tech's strength and against Syracuse's weakness. Syracuse is not a great ball handling team, and they're even worse when teams are allowed to be physical with them. And the the way that this game was officiated, again, this is not a criticism of the officials. This is simply the way that the game was called. They were allowing a lot of that physicality. That benefits Virginia Tech much more than it does Syracuse. That's that's going to be the case in every game Syracuse plays. The more physical that, that the officials allow the game to be, the more of a disadvantage it is for Syracuse. Syracuse wants to play a game that's wide open, free-flowing, um, where they allow movement, and anytime someone obstructs any type of movement, it's immediately a foul. That much that plays to Syracuse's uh, skill sets and um, strengths much more than allowing teams to be physical and handsy and bumping and and all of those things. So the fact that they allowed that physical play every time Joe or buddy tried to go inside, that did two things when they were trying to drive one, it didn't allow them to get to their spots as easily 
two fouls weren't called and three that got buddy and Joe a little bit on the frustrated side and led to some turnovers that turned into easy buckets on the other end. So it kind of all played into itself. Now here's, here's the silver lining to some of these issues that we talked about. There aren't a lot of teams that have seven legitimate dead eye shooters on the roster. Like Virginia tech has Virginia tech had five guys in their starting lineup all of which could torch you from, from three-point range. Then they've got two guys off their bench, who one of which was shooting over 60% from three and the other over 50% from three. They just don't have enough attempts numbers-wise to um, hit that minimum threshold in order to lead the country or lead the ACC in those categories. But they're, they're big-time shooters. So if one guy is off, you bring another guy on and you could even be upgrading as as shooters. And and that's that's what happened. That's what Virginia Tech did in this game. And Syracuse stayed at home on the perimeter to prevent those guys from getting open looks. That leaves you more vulnerable inside. There aren't a lot of teams that are going to be able to do all of those things all at once. Virginia Tech is one that can. I think Duke can as well. Notre Dame uh, a little bit, but not not quite to the extent of Virginia Tech. So, and then Virginia Tech combines that with a very physical, aggressive defense that's one of the better um, in terms of rankings and, and et cetera in different categories, one of the better defenses in the ACC. Whereas when you look at a team like a Notre Dame, they're not nearly as physical and not nearly as good defensively as Virginia Tech is. Beat Boston College and Georgia Tech, the next two teams Syracuse faces also doesn't have anywhere near that level of offense nor um, defensive capabilities and physicality. That's, that's the good news. Um, The bad news is TV. Teddy Valentine is still an official in the ACC. He is still awful. He goes to the monitor a lot for stupid reasons. um, Mainly I think to draw attention to himself. So there's my little official rant, but always going to come with TV. It's always going to come out. But the turnover issues that that were sort of a, a somewhat of a byproduct of allowing Virginia Tech to be as physical um, as they were, Syracuse turned it over 11 times, which on its face is not an egregious number, but Virginia Tech only turned it over four times. And of those 11 turnovers, Virginia Tech turned them into 17 points which means essentially every time Syracuse turned it over, Virginia Tech got a bucket. And that was because a lot of those turned into three-on-one, two-on-zero, easy transition opportunities that led to dunks and layups. Whereas the turnovers that Syracuse got were a deflection that bounced off a guy's leg and went out of bounds. So you're still setting up your normal half-court offense. Um, And again, Virginia Tech only had four turnovers, very, very small number. Um, and so Syracuse only got four, uh, I'm sorry, only got two points off of turnovers. So in a game that Syracuse lost by 12 points, they lost by 15 in the points points off of turnovers. That that, that was the game right there. Lost if, by 15 off else. the turnover, lost by 16 on the free throw line. You can see where the game went wrong for us. That is the two areas where if we get even half the points they got, it's tight game. That, it's, it's, it's that egregious. That it was that bad for us. Um, yes. There's no question. And part of that, part of where the turnovers came were in 
at the end of the first half and at the end of the second half. Both of those of those like last five, six, seven minutes of each half just killed Syracuse. You mentioned how they didn't make shots, and then they also turned it over a few times. They did the same thing at the end of the first half, and that killed Syracuse. And if if you look at the runs that Virginia Tech went on, it was a fifteen to three run in the final four fifty seven of the first half, and a seventeen to five run in the final six fifty six of the second half. So between those two runs. Virginia Tech outscored Syracuse in what was essentially 11 minutes of play, 12 minutes of play. They outscored Syracuse by 24. In the other 28 minutes, Syracuse outscored Virginia Tech by 12. So it, even though Syracuse lost by double digits, it really comes down to a few basic things, which was the points off turnovers, the free throw disparity, and Virginia Tech played better down the stretch of the first half and the second half than Syracuse did. That's the long and short of it. Now, part of where Syracuse's struggles offensively came from can be traced right back to Cole Swider. Cole had been 14 for 19 from three in the previous four games, over 70% from three, had really been rounding a corner in terms of his shooting ability. He made the first bucket of the game against Virginia Tech on a long two-point jumper and then almost disappeared for the rest of the game. He had a bucket with about 30 seconds to go as well. And so the first minute of the game, he had two points. The last minute of the game, he had two points. And in the 38 minutes in between, he had four. And he was 0 for 5 from three. He did have 10 rebounds, which was good, but he just was not in the flow offensively. And when he's not shooting well and when he's not scoring, Syracuse's offense suffers. And I think it was as simple as that. You can look at Jimmy Bayheim as well, going two for nine from the floor and only scoring six points in 37 minutes. So, you know, you got 14 points combined from two of your starters where they're averaging you know, about 22 to 24 points per game. So you get about 10 points less than what they typically give you. And and that hurts your offense quite a bit. It does. And again, as I said, with Jesse Edwards being out, if Frank gives you six, 10 points a game, that's good because we should be getting enough from the rest of the guys. We should be putting up at least at minimum 60 from the rest of the players on this team. That's where we're looking. As you said, Cole didn't play well. Jimmy didn't shoot the ball well. Combined, they were a a whopping six for 22. And for those wondering at home, uh, Joe and Buddy combined for 14 for 33. They had eight for 17 from three. They were shooting 50% from three and give or take from the fields, which again at home, really good, not really good numerically, but shooting six for 22. I'm sorry. That is not good enough. As said, Cole was just off, but he took 13 shots. He was off and tried to shoot his way out of it, and it just did not get there. He's so up and down and so very streaky, which is a problem I think this offense has. It is very streak-oriented. Every single one of these players, 
If they're not on a hot streak, they're ice cold. That's what Cole was this game. We've seen it this season with Buddy. We've seen it with Joe. We've seen it with Jimmy. If the players don't line up when they're all hot, it is a disaster waiting to happen. And this is a game where it did come back to bite us. If, say, Cole goes even six for 13 and Jimmy goes four for nine, all of a sudden we're looking at a couple scores and maybe a couple of those are threes. And then all of a sudden a tie game. Look at that. It's when player, when half our players are cold, half are hot, we're only going to put up so many points. You need at least three of these four guys to be hot at the right time. And that's a problem that no one outside of buddy feels like a consistent scorer. Joe, Jimmy, and Cole are all very, very streaky shooters. Buddy can be too, but you know, consistently you're going to get a good enough game out of him regardless that it, it doesn't matter. But the rest of them, they're streaking in the wrong direction. Two of them are after this game. And that's quite nervy for me. No question. Um, so then, you know, where does Syracuse go from here? They've got their two most winnable games on the schedule coming up next. And I think that gives them a chance to get into a little bit of a rhythm going into the game at Notre Dame. And so your next two games are against Boston College on Saturday. Boston College, a team that Syracuse beat by nine at Boston College earlier this season. Yes, Jesse Edwards was on the team, was you know healthy at that point. However, he played 14 minutes and didn't score. Syracuse still won by nine. Now Frank has a game under his belt where he played 37 minutes, played pretty well. He's going to have confidence going into this Boston College game. I think the the whole Syracuse team from the coaching staff to the players are all going to have confidence in him going into this game. And and that confidence is just going to build as he continues to play well. And this is another opportunity for him to do that and to crash the boards and and give Syracuse what they need there. So I think it's, it's a good matchup for him. Um, And then you go against a, a Georgia tech team that is also struggling. You know, Boston college has lost three in a row. They play against Notre Dame on Wednesday. So Syracuse has a week off in between games. The Boston College has a game in between. So that gives them less prep time and and they're going to be, you know, potentially a little bit more physically worn down. Uh, Georgia Tech is sitting at 10 and 14 on the season. They are, are not playing all that well. They have lost two in a row and they have two more games before they play Syracuse. They play Tuesday night against NC State and they play Saturday night against Pittsburgh before coming to play at Syracuse. So there's a chance they could potentially be on a four game losing streak going into that game where they could, it's NC State, Pittsburgh. So, you know, they could win one or both of those games as well. But either way, you're playing a team that, that is, that is not played all that well throughout the course of the season. They're not an overly big team. Um, you know, they have they have a center in, in Rodney Howard who plays about 23 minutes a game and is 6'10, 250 pounds, but he averages five points and four rebounds a game. I mean, so yeah, he's he's on the bigger side, but you know, the, their other quote unquote big that they play is Khalid Moore, 
who's a six, seven senior and, and plays about 25 minutes a game. He averages six points a game. The rest of their rotation really are guards. Uh, Michael DeVoe, six, five is, is their best player at about 19 points a game elite level shooter at 39%. Uh, Jordan Usher, another six, seven guard forward type averages 15 points a game, 35% from three point range. Those are the two guys that Syracuse has to worry about. Everyone else on the team is about seven points per game or lower. And again, they're, they're guards, Kyle Sturdivant, six, two, uh, Dallin Coleman, six, six, uh, you know, Davon Smith, six, one. So it's, it's wings and guards. So I, I think Frank's got an opportunity to, to have a big size advantage inside in that game as well. And, and, and Syracuse needs these next two games. You know, you got to get to 15 and 12 to set yourself up to, to try to pick one of those games in the final four against uh, Notre Dame, Duke, North Carolina, and Miami. You pull off one of those, you finish the regular season at 16 and 15. And all you need to do is win your first ACC tournament game, which is going to be against one of those bottom level teams. And then you clinch a winning season um, regardless, or a non-losing season, regardless of what happens the rest of the way. So these next two games, they have to get, there's no question about that. And uh, I think they set up well, both being at home, both against teams that aren't playing well uh, for Syracuse to try to get into a little bit of a rhythm going into that final four game stretch. Yeah, no, they they definitely set up well. If they can get these next two wins and they should get these next two wins, it looks good. And the one thing I'm watching for isn't concerned with the starters or the streakiness of them, which I know I just said they need to be streaky at the right times. I don't care. I know they can get hot and stay hot. What I'm more concerned about is Benny and Samir off the bench. That's what I'm looking for right now is if they can put up some points, if they can put up more then I believe they combined for two points in this game. Yeah, they combined for two points uh, and three total shots attempted against Virginia Tech. When you lose a starter, it is always kind of assumed your bench is a step up more. And yes, Jesse's the one position that they don't kind of matter in, but you're going to drop points from Jesse to Frank. So you expect to find them somewhere. The starters can give you those points, but as you see, when some of them are cold, you don't get it. So what I hope Jim Beheim does is he gives Samir and Benny 10 to 15 minutes and we see a, even a small ball with Benny and all of a sudden, bam, he has 10 points. And those 10 points are major for us. Or Samir has four assists, five assists, and those five assists mean 10 points or 15 points or somewhere in the middle. That's what I hope Jim plays around with is getting those two more involved, giving them something. Because again, now we have one less player for our rotation. Realistically, with Jesse, we were an eight-man rotation with Frank, Samir, and Benny off the bench. But now we lose that. The drop from Jesse to Barama Sidibe is major in terms of who's playing minutes somewhere. That is a major drop. So Benny and Samir need to do something, but they can't do it when they put up three minutes for Benny and seven for Samir. 
They need more time. These two games are a great time to do it because, as you said, there's not a huge big presence. Give Benny some more minutes. He's a bigger guy. Give him some more minutes. Give Samir some more minutes, and it could work out in the end. Yeah, and I like what they did with Benny uh, to start out against Virginia Tech. The very first offensive play he was out there, they ran a lob for him along the baseline, and it was open. He just missed the dunk. But trying to take advantage of his athleticism with plays like that, I think, is – is a, is a good way to use him. And I think can be something that Syracuse does to try to get him into a little bit of, of a rhythm to, you know, help him gain some confidence. And, and I think, I think Samir in these next two games is, is, you know, probably going to play double digit minutes in, in each of those games, um, especially with Georgia tech as guard oriented as they are. We could see Syracuse go to its three guard lineup quite a bit in that game um, just because of the matchup. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how those, how those guys play in these next few games, but um, you know, Syracuse has to try to figure out a way to get itself right offensively uh, because going into that game against Notre Dame, they're going to have to score if, if they're going to try to pull off that upset on the road. No question about that. That'll do it for episode 35 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. For Kyle F., I'm Mike McAllister, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.